But uh, last summer, so uh, July of 2021, I did get promoted to the assistant to the town administrator. So I've been in this position for a little over a year now. Um, been with the town for a little over three years and I've enjoyed every second of it, so. Uh, Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local Franklin Mass FM dial at 102.9. Here today for another Talk Franklin session with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Jamie, good morning and welcome. Good afternoon, Steve. Hope you're doing well. That's right. Good afternoon. I know. <laughs> I've been sitting here this morning, so I don't. I've lost track of time. <laughs> Usually that's me on these calls, Steve. Usually, well, you know, you're busy. This is what you do all the time. And I do it. I get the joy to do it, you know, periodically. So this is yeah. fun. <laughs> and we have a special guest. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I know you've been here for a few years and some people will say, oh, yeah, I see her once in a while. And then you did the green community presentation. So you're starting to get a little bit more vocal, but for somebody who, who's Alicia? Tell us a little bit about your story. Of course. So I uh, came here right out of college in May of 2019. I was hired as the executive assistant in the town administrator's office. So I've been working for Jamie the whole time I've been here. But uh, last summer, so uh, July of 2021, I did get promoted to the assistant to the town administrator. So I've been in this position for a little over a year now. Um, been with the town for a little over three years and I've enjoyed every second of it. So I'm happy to be here. Um, spent about six years in college uh, getting my master's in public administration. So this was a great transition from college into uh, the beginning of my career. Yeah, the real world, the working world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she's in picking, public she's service, picking, no She's picking it up, Steve. She's picking it up. <laughs> you know, that that's uh, it's a different world out there working. And, you know, to have your career start, you know, eight months before a global pandemic is, a, I'm sure, an experience, Alicia, you probably won't forget, right? Yeah, there was uh, no <laughs> amount of college training that could could, could have uh, prepared me for the first, first year of working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the only one who has a record similar to that, oh, it's even tighter. Um, if I recall, Tyler, That's his right. first yeah. day was the day of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he was here for three days and then uh, we went completely uh, remote for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's no preparation for that. No, <laughs> he was still in a suit and tie on his when he came in for that day. <laughs> and I sent everybody home, and you know, we didn't see him for like three months. It was pretty yeah. good. But he was a trooper as well. He was a everybody was great during the pandemic, and Alicia did a great job uh, in those tough situations where there was so much unknowns. And um, happy to have her as part of the team. I'm sure you've enjoyed and then getting into other things besides tracking opera funds. <laughs> And yeah. PPE and all the other <laughs> details that was happening all at that time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're still working on um, some of our FEMA funding, uh, ARPA, CARES, all of that federal money that we've been getting in. So that was also a great uh, learning experience for me. Very new processes. Yeah, the money, following the money, the checks and balances, 
and yeah, making sense of the acronyms. <laughs> mm -hmm. There are so many. And there'll be more. We're going to continue to create more acronyms, Steve. Well, yes. that's that's the nature of life because human nature is if you want to say something like Community Preservation Committee, you shorten it, CPC. So repeat it. It's Community Preservation Act, CPA. Yeah. Um, and then we have to be careful, of course, because CPA can have multiple interpretations. Right. It could be that uh, uh, accountant as opposed to the the funding. So, yeah, that's that's my role to help make sense of it <laughs> yeah. and make sure the right context. And if people aren't paying attention, oh, yeah, that's what that's about. <laughs> But it takes two to tango. So I appreciate the opportunity of having you work with us on that, both of you specifically. Absolutely. So, yeah. And as we're in November, almost, almost. Uh, voting election, November 8th <clears throat> and on or before because of the early voting, the absentee ballots and the in-person voting, certainly at the high school on November 8th itself. Uh, it's nothing more important than voting, Steve. It's it's a pretty straightforward message. I think um, I think the legislature changed the law this year, and um, now there's more options and more ways to vote. I think the town clerk, Alicia, I don't know if there was an updated number, but I think almost 7,000 people had taken out mail-in ballots, roughly. That sounds uh, about right. That sounds about right. And adding a few absentees overseas. Um, you know, and uh, the election is currently happening, uh, early voting here in the municipal building. If people want to you know how you're going to vote, uh, you know, get it out of the way. My dad used to say, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, just get out there. This is an amazing opportunity. There's a lot of candidates and new candidates on the ballot. Um, and also four uh, extraordinarily important ballot questions um, that everybody gets to have a voice on. I think Steve, we hear in a lot of places uh, wherever we go, we hear a lot of ideas. We hear a lot of, frustration from voters who feel at times they don't have any power or control or they're not sometimes their candidates don't win or maybe don't represent their values on Beacon Hill, um, which is okay. And we understand that that's the dynamic of, of our system. But here's a chance where like real people and real voters make policy decisions on substantial issues where the representation on Beacon Hill actually doesn't really matter as much. Um, because those four questions have uh, pretty dramatic um, policy implications one way or the other, and the voters get to do that. It's 50% plus one. And um, you know, so for people out there that feel like sometimes their voice isn't heard or they're not part of a solution to a problem, or I think in this ballot questions case, in all three of these, these are all four, excuse me, all four questions are debates that have been going on for Beacon Hill for 20 or 30 years. So the reason why these ballot questions are all on there is I think there's a lot of pent up frustration um, at some of the inaction over the decades on Beacon Hill on these issues. And now the voters have an opportunity to actually chart the destiny on these issues. Yeah, and we've been sharing and certainly the town clerk to the credit of that operation has opportunities for people to observe the process. Uh, so yesterday I participated in the voter machine testing or tabulator testing process. Um, I recorded that that recording is in process, so that will come out. Um, there's also observation as they do the early opening of the ballots 
that have been returned from the uh, mail voting. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's Saturday the 5th, maybe Sunday the 6th, if required, the early depositing of those ballots so that the process on November 8th Mm -hmm. uh, goes smoothly as everybody comes in to vote. Because, yeah, I think she, uh, in the recording, talked of 6,000 plus that had been sent out initially. Mm-hmm. But she also acknowledged there's like 30 to 50 more coming in requesting yeah. per day. So yeah, it's probably close to that 7,000, if not just over that number. That, And, and that's all good. Uh, we've talked here before that certainly the local, and while this is not a Franklin election, is certainly a Franklin uh, to the ballot questions, our state representation, and then our state government. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's local to mass and thereby it's important to us. Exactly. Exactly. So get out there and vote. <laughs> Indeed. And then next week, well, next week you get another council meeting, but for those who may have missed, you had a couple of key pieces in the last meeting with the uh, mm-hmm. representative delegation visiting and uh, then uh, Schmidt's farm. Yeah, the legislative delegation uh, made a great visit. Um, and I think, you know, Representative Roy and Senator Rausch all gave, you know, great remarks. And uh, but obviously, I think, and Alicia would agree, the the marquee piece of the evening, for lack of a better word, was really, you know, trying to give some sort of um, send off and farewell and gratitude and thanks to uh, Senator Spilka. Um, you know, it's I've known her personally for a very long time, uh, at least you know, 20 years uh, when I worked in the legislature and um, uh, she was then and still remains one of my favorite people up there. So I miss her and miss the staff. Um, the good news is I still have all their cell phones. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I was really pleased. I felt like I could see it on, on her face to the, the kind of unknown um, presentation that the council gave to her at the end with a framed, proclamation for um, all of her achievements you know when when the staff and I were writing them I was thinking about them and I was like my goodness you know she just got the mental health you know reform package with some you know hundreds of millions of dollars poured into the mental health system and she was the sponsor of the student opportunity act and you know I I still talk to the staff you know when Roe versus Wade got kicked down from the Supreme Mm -hmm. Court you know if you notice in the photo op you know, she was there one-on-one with the governor for the bill signing. That was obviously something that, um, you know, I think the legislature would have done that no matter what. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you had a female Senate president unquestionably made a huge difference in the protection of uh, of those uh, of those uh, services in, in Massachusetts. And, um, you know, her unwavering support for the LGBTQ community, for her career and just the police reform and just going on and on and on down the list of achievements. Her advocacy here locally for the Franklin Ridge money that we Mm -hmm. just received and the Grove Street money to redo the intersection down there. Um, And I would venture to say on student opportunity, as you know, Steve, we're a hold harmless community. We are seeing the dip of the major building cycle from decades ago. But because she was our senator and um, heard our concerns, there was nothing we could do to bring in more Chapter 70 money. But she um, enabled the whole harmless aid and the charter school reimbursements and special education reimbursements um, have enabled us to have basically a flatlined and sustainable state revenue source. So um, her efforts, uh, she's got big shoes to fill with whoever 
wins the Senate race uh, in a few weeks. And um, I know the pressure is now on Representative Roy a little bit. He's up for the task, but it was great to have all of them in. I thought it was a really great discussion. It was probably a solid 90 minutes, Alicia, uh, I think, right? And um, it just it felt like a really that. warm Close and great. Two, I think. It was almost two. It was a great yeah. warm and, and I thought kind of like Congressman Auchincloss when he came, just a you know, um, open questions to anybody. Uh, you know, obviously we had Frank at the end to tie everything up into a nice bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Falvey, for those out there that didn't see it, um, it was go great to have the legislators and watch. <laughs> go back to listen to watch. Plus, um, and then afterwards we, uh, you know, really yep. almost a historic day. I, I, I wish more people uh, thought of it like that. I think it's a policy achievement that's pretty tough to compare to, but the purchasing of Schmitz, Schmitz farm, mm. uh, the largest piece of open space, the town I think has ever bought. Um, and uh, a lot of great days ahead. So it was a great meeting last week. Yeah, indeed. In the 15 plus years that I've been doing this, clearly the milestone, we thought it was significant when we did the Maple Hill piece. Uh, yeah. now we've got Schmitz farm. So two pieces within a year and a half or so, and all to the credit, certainly to the long-term planning from multiple councils and administration, the residents and voters for passing CPA, yeah. Community Preservation Act, to give us the wherewithal. Because I think it was at least, and I've said it other times, and I have to still go back and confirm, but I believe it was at least once, if not twice, that we had other opportunities yeah. and couldn't take them because we did not have the wherewithal and the funding. And now we've got the position. Now, it doesn't say we're going to... Buy some more next year or the year after that, because I think realistically, the space is also decreasing such that they're not going to be that available. Um, Never mind. Our funds are also getting allocated appropriately. So we have to be mindful of that as well. But yeah, those are key achievements. And we still, we, the town, you specifically and DPW, the uh, engineers, et cetera, still need to figure out how we're going to use those great open spaces <laughs> yeah it, to your point i mean i've been here long enough which is also um uh shocking to this to the i can't believe i'm about to start my eighth year at franklin but but hey, i've been here long go <laughs> right here voters <laughs> listeners can't see it at home but it's all gone to my hair um we the town council jeff when he was here we voted schmidt's farm a purchase down on schmidt's at one point mm-hmm. uh, six years ago um, and if the, people go back and research it and Steve, you probably have the document somewhere, yep. put in the memo, we have no money, right? It's as simple as that. So, um, community preservation is, um, living up to its title. Um, you know, in addition to that meeting, we got the ancillary funding for the red brick schoolhouse. So if there's any listeners out there that are interested in that stuff, they should go drive by the building. Um, they've gotten all the lead paint off all the red paint. Now you can see the brick. It's the most common thing I hear these days, Steve, is that's the brick. That's the brick. And it's like, yeah, that's the brick. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. great meeting last week. And coming up this week um, for the teaser, uh, for the next few meetings, uh, we've got um, a less obvious uh, uh, approval in the downtown parking bylaws, the suite of changes. Um, actually, Alicia uh, has done an uh, incredible job pulling together and doing research with the police department on um, payment kiosks and a lot of other other things. So um, if a bylaw gets approved this week for the downtown parking lots, we should be able to move forward. And, and, and the main message to um, the listeners really is, is 
there'll be no more restrictions. Uh, it's currently commuter or merchant only. Um, and now we're going to open them up for a first come first serve basis. So anybody can park there. And um, those two and key parking lots, the depot lot. And I think we call it the Ferraris, Ferraris lot. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so, uh, so that'll be coming up. And then we have a FY23 budget adjustment coming up at the FinCom on the 9th. Uh, and then the council on the 16th, you know, all in, all in, you know, we're talking about, you know, de minimis amounts of movement of money from account to account. Um, you know, I do not anticipate any adjustments for the uh, parents that have school-aged children or involved in the schools. I don't anticipate any adjustments to the school budget. Um, the rest of them are really de minimis amounts that deal with the COLA for the municipal employees after collective bargaining was solved. And then some uh, uh, some uh, debt and service payments and some other small items. So it, it, we shouldn't see more than about a half a million dollars moved and shuffled around. Um, and so that's really good news as well. All in advance of the tax rate hearing, which you set uh, later in uh, November. Well, for those that uh, missed the finance committee meeting last night, uh, you should go back and check it out to learn a little more about assessing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we do. We have the tax rate hearing on November 30th. Um, and uh, I'm also hoping um, that uh, over the next couple months, we will finally be able to put the first public discussion regarding Davis there uh, on, a, um, on a public agenda. And the one last thing I would note is just for the record, because I'm excited about it. Um, I'm not so sure that they are as much as I am, but um, the Franklin Public Library will be at the next meeting too. Um, they're going to go through a, uh, a uh, overview of the town's National Register of Historic Places. Ah, uh, yes. And unbeknownst to most people, and myself included, a year or two ago, uh, the uh, town has two historic districts on the National Registry. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, and so I'm hoping that this is a great opportunity to have a kind of a sit back and enjoy the show kind of uh, presentation from Vicki Earls and Felicia will be up at the meeting. So if anybody's interested in historic preservation, they should uh, come to that meeting as well. Mm -hmm. And to tie off on the finance piece, clearly the recording via YouTube is available. Mm -hmm. The audio and my notes will be available shortly. But the other piece that was interesting that assist, aside from, Chloe, we've talked about like the permit fees, building permits, things mm -hmm. of that sort, effectively property tax in, in personal property, commercial, residential, that's 60% of the revenue of the town. Mm -hmm. So getting some insights into how does that calculation work? Obviously, it's a rather complex process. And they alluded to at least... It, to your point, I think kind of the high level bit of it without getting into some of the real gory, itsy bitsy details, because mm -hmm. some people's eyes, I think, would have rolled if we started going deeper, deeper, deeper. But for those who are interested, and if you really need to, that detail is available. You just ask. And I think Kevin and Dave and Peter and Sue, the four members of the assessors team, people should just call them up. They're, they're, they're very nice and welcoming and warm individuals. Um, they will sit down with any property owner and explain a property tax bill, where the assessment came from, what the assumptions were. Um, it's staggering how much work those four get done. Um, but uh, people should just call them up. They don't bite. They're very nice. You know, <laughs> it's, I mean, Kevin is probably one of the just most nicest, warmest, sweetest people you could ever meet. 
he is professional and he's smart, um, as with all the appraisers. And just call them up and have a conversation. It doesn't need to be angry or, or happy or you know, mad or whatever. They'll be more than happy to sit down with any resident one-on-one and, and talk to them. And a slight teaser as well with that, um, without committing, because I don't. they haven't figured out the numbers yet, so they haven't finalized it. But <clears throat> while the overall assessments will be going up, and oh, by the way, that shouldn't be a surprise because everybody's watching and talking about the housing sales that are just, wait a minute, that's going for what? Yeah. <laughs> The assessment value, the assessed value is going up, which from a tax rate perspective, the rate will be going down, which is not necessarily to say we're not going to pay less. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's a separate story. But when the assessments go up, the rate goes down. That's uh, that's, that's right. the way the calculation works. Yep. It's like uh, I always use Wellesley as the example. They have one of the lowest tax rates in Massachusetts It's because they have the most expensive houses in Massachusetts, too. Mm-hmm. So it's part art and part science. And then we get another four-letter word update coming along the way with uh, a snow update from DPW, right? I didn't bring up the snow update. (laughs) Uh, I think someone else on this call did. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe she has some commentary about what's coming up. Yes. In the uh, upcoming (laughs) meetings, we're going to have a nice presentation by uh, our DPW folks. Uh, Primarily Brutus will probably be giving an update on uh, snow plowing, uh, what to expect, uh, his general rundown, just to give the residents a little more information. Some expectation management, and I'm sure there'll be some cost drivers thrown into that too. Yeah, salt. What the labor, salt, what the labor market's like, um, you know. And I'm sure there'll be a call for if anybody wants to assist in plowing, they're still Mm -hmm. looking for plow drivers. They are looking for plow drivers and we do, I think Alicia would uh, second this. We will, uh, we promise everybody um, that even if it's not timely, at at least once this winter, we will make sure that Brutus sends out one of his famous voicemails. (laughs) Yes. People love that iteration. I've I've never been ceased to amaze me how comforting and funny and humorous that his voicemails are on uh, typically days that are a little chaotic for everybody right school gets canceled and nobody knows when the trash is going out the kids are at home and people are blocked in and no one wants to go shovel right alicia we can always count on a little brutus canareggi humor that is very true yeah and the way he delivers it it's just it's classic indeed so we've got a lot to look forward to because as usual there is a lot happening So thank you for taking time for this day to share as we talk Franklin for the Franklin residents and voters to listen to. And I'm sure we'll have, well, we've got two more sessions, at least in November and then probably one in December because the second Mm -hmm. normally would be in that Christmas, New Year's time period. So Mm -hmm. we'll look at the calendar and confirm schedules. And if we can fit in two, we'll do so. Otherwise, there's enough time to continue to talk as we go. Sounds good, Steve. Thanks. Well, thank you, Alicia, and welcome. I'm looking forward to continuing these conversations with you as well as Jamie. And for the Franklin listeners, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? 
If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.